community to gather in your house for this time. Father, we, we thank you for the simple things that we have to gripe about, Father. We thank you that we have a church that we can have little problems in, Father. Father, we thank you that we have the freedom to worship you like you intended for us to, Father. Father, we ask that you bless this offering we're about to take up. Let it be used to continue your work in this church, Father. Father, it's all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, go be seated. Not that you needed my permission. Let's go to Mark chapter one, and I don't usually do this, but I'm going to start down here about verse twenty-one. You know when you get there. Everybody have a good weekend. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool, You don't know how much a wedding will wear you out. <laughs> I used to always wonder why the bride and the groom, in the middle of the ceremony or in the middle of the reception, jumped in the car and took off. You know. <laughs> It was to get a minute of peace, man. I, you, I, I love y'all, but I never, you know, I don't hug that many people hardly. You know, I had to do it oh, yeah. twice this weekend. <laughs> no, I think everyone. Uh, what chapter? Uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 21. What verse, baby? Mark chapter 1, verse 21. So I appreciate all y'all being there. It meant the world to us. Thank you for having me. Anybody wants to eat taco meat, come by my house. <laughs> Next time I tell y'all, y'all are going to eat, y'all are going to eat. What's that? You know what? She told me she was going to make that. And I went down and bought rice and beans for 50 people. And she told me she was going to make it. You didn't even buy all that. I said, well, you know, most of the time you think about people making a little bit of stuff. She made all oh, if I'd known she was going to make that much of it, it was going to be that good. I'd have saved some money on rice and beans. That's okay. If anybody wants rice and beans, come on by the house. We'll be talking. All right, y'all ready? Yes. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with authority. He even gives order to the evil spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went to the James, went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to, went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on him. The evening after sunset, the people brought Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many in them who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. There's a lot, a lot of preachers want to go straight to the fact that they, Jesus didn't want people to know who he was. 
the thing that gets me about those verses right there is Jesus wouldn't allow the demons to speak. These are supposed to be demons. But the voice of Jesus instantly made them hush. They never said another word after Jesus told them to be quiet. And then Jesus goes on to tell his disciples that they're going to do what? They're, they're going to do greater things than he is. So if we go over here in Acts, and I'll just read it real quick, 16, it says, Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her by, for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. So we know Jesus can do it, but we also know that one of Jesus' disciples can do it. Now, what are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that you can walk up to somebody on the street and cast a demon out. If that's your gift, that's your gift. If you think you're ready for that, you think you're ready for that. But what I'm getting at is in little, if, if Jesus can silence a demon that's speaking audibly inside somebody else because he was the son of God. Now we're children of God, right? Which makes us a son and daughters of God. And we shall do things just as great as what Jesus did, if not greater. Says so in that book. So why are we so troubled by our own demons whispering in our heads? I'm too worried about working out Michael's demons than I am my own. Because it's kind of hard for me to come up here and tell you that you have nothing to fear when I go to bed and I listen to the voices in my head. I'm not insane, but everybody has it. The world puts little voices in your head and it wants to tell you that I'm not good enough for this. I don't deserve this. What have I done to deserve what's happening to me? We need, as followers of Jesus Christ, to learn that that name means something to these voices, to these demons. And I'm going to go ahead and call them demons. Because I truly believe, it says in the Bible, that we will fight principalities. I truly believe that there's been demons assigned by hell to be over principalities. There's demons of depression. I don't, and anybody that knows me knows I don't believe in addiction. I believe there's a spirit of affliction that lands on you, and that's what puts you in drug abuse. That's what puts you in alcoholism. And if Jesus can walk up to a man and let him touch his him and be healed, then why shouldn't we be able to control the thoughts going on in our own head? Because it's not a small matter. It drives people insane when they don't learn how. The Bible says we should learn how to control our thoughts. Sometimes it's not the thoughts that we're having about the world. It's the thought that we're having about ourselves that we need to learn how to take captive of. <clears throat> I can tell you this right now. Some people ask, and people ask me too, well, how do I know it's not God speaking to you? Because your Heavenly Father is never going to tell you that you're not worthy. Right. Your Heavenly Father is not ever going to tell you that you deserve what you're going through. 
when you start hearing things like you're going to be stronger on the other side of this or what you're going to learn when you get on the other side of that, that's your Heavenly Father speaking to you. Because you're going to go through things in life. You're going to have trials. You're going to have troubles. The Bible says you are. And life proves it. But there's nothing in here. The Bible also says that the world can tempt you with nothing that is so great that you can't, through the power of Jesus Christ, turn away from it. And that also means the little voices in your head. Because even though you think you're alone in the dark, God's there with you. Jesus is... Genesis, everybody knows I like preaching old school. Genesis 1.1, and He hovered over the darkness and said, let there be light. What if your life is like that? What if Jesus is hovering, or God is hovering over the top of your life, waiting for the perfect moment for you? All you have to do is ask. And all He has to do is snap His fingers. And I'm pretty sure that if He can create the world in six days, He can fix my problems in a few minutes. Because when you really look at it, I don't have any problems. My daughter tells me all the time, first world problems, Dad, first world problems. My cable runs too slow. My car needs to be washed. The light bill is going to be high this month. They didn't have my brand of gluten-free, high, no-fructose, soy-based turkey bacon at this grocery store. Not that I'm saying that I would ever eat that, but that's how far we've come in this world with things that don't make any sense that we worry about on a daily basis. If they don't have my latte ready for me when I get to Starbucks in the first 10 minutes, we get upset about it. We let little things in our lives become the big demons. That even let a little foothold in. Stop listening. Jesus said, If I remain in you and you remain in me, all things are possible. What he's saying is, if I tell you that I'm going to remain in this room, what does that mean? You're going to be here. I'm never leaving this room. So if we remain in Jesus Christ, what does that mean? We walk in His grace all the time. We don't have time to let those thoughts get in our head. We don't have time to let depression and anxiety and worthlessness and suicidal thoughts and wants and needs that are of this world get a hold of us because we're too busy remaining in Christ. Because that lets Christ remain in us. And when Christ remains in us, it gives us the power to reach out to those voices and tell them, I said silence and be gone. Amen. See, that's the whole problem. We have the issue with we want the voices and we want the temptations to be quiet. But if you want something to be gone, and you t- if I tell my wife, get out of here, I don't want to talk to you right now, and she gets up and turns around and walks off, but I follow her out of the room, what does that do? It solves nothing for me. It solves nothing for her because the struggle continues. So when you tell something to get out of your life, 
Say it with some authority that Christ gave you, but then quit following it down the road, wanting to know what it's doing. Amen. To repent doesn't mean to apologize. Christians have got that so screwed up in the world today. Well, I've repented for my sins. To repent means to turn away from and go the other way. No, you didn't. You said, I'm sorry, God. If you don't let me throw up, I'll never go out drinking again. If you'll just let me get home and not get a DWI, I'll never drink again. If you'll just not let me get caught cheating on my wife, I'll never do it again. And then we go back out and issue the same behavior over and over and over because we don't use the authority that Christ gave us to get that stuff out of our lives. And we don't have the willpower in the flesh on our own. When are we finally going to stop one day, get on our knees and tell God, I can't do this on my own. I've had to do it a bunch of times. Because I've gotten myself in some situations where I couldn't get me out of it. He's there for you. When you will stop. I know people like to say every once in a while you got to stop and smell the roses. All the time you have to stop and touch Jesus. Amen. Okay? Stop walking around trying to do it on your own. Stop walking around thinking that it's all on you. Because all that stuff was all on him when he got up there. And that gave you the power to do away with it. You don't have to live life like you did. When you gave your life to Christ and your flesh died and your spirit was reborn and you became a new human being in Christ, you received the power from the blood of Jesus to tell your old flesh no. Your flesh is going to fail you every single time. Your flesh is selfish. But so is our God. And our God will give you, the. I promise you, if you really truly in your every bit of your spirit want to spend your days worshiping God and not struggling, God will give your spirit the strength to do that because we serve a jealous God. He burnt cities to the ground because they worship something other than Him. So think about that next time you stay home on a Sunday morning or Sunday night because the Cowboys are playing. <laughs> you know, yeah. Knock your TV off the thing. I got to be the hard time over here anyway. Got a DVR. There you go. Like, never, never make a bet with somebody with a DVR. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? We have to be careful about the things that we put first in this life. I married the woman of my life yesterday. I got to stand in front of my church and my family and my friends and tell her how much I loved her and how much I'm going to put her second in my life. And I got to listen to her look me in the eye and tell me how much she loved me and remind me that I'll always come in second. Praise God that I'm always going to come in second to my wife's God. And she's always going to come in second. But you got to remember that. Everything that you love and cherish in this world has to start second. 
Because until you learn to put God as number one, none of this down here will pan out. I am, this is the first woman that I have ever dated, talked to, anything, and I am the first man for her that we haven't met in bars or places like that. We met here at this church, and we started our relationship off as friends in Christ and brother and sister in Christ. And then we fell in love with each other, and that's what we kept our, mar our relationship based off of. I married her the first time. A lot of y'all don't know that we got married the first time a little while back because we had a house and we got a deal on it so good that we couldn't pass it up, but we had to move in. So my first wedding was perfect. I was in my pajamas in my driveway, and JR drove over there and married us in front of our best friends. Yesterday was for y'all. Because we had our, yeah, and her. Well, she said, she tells me the pajama thing was pretty cool too. But. Yeah, but my dress was pretty. It was. She yes, was, it was beautiful, yes, it was. and I wouldn't trade yesterday for the world. Mainly because I got to stand in front of public and make a declaration to my God about the woman that I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. Amen. And I know that because if I ever try to leave her, she's going to kill me. So, I already told her, I said, I'm going to leave you one of these days. She just giggled too. <laughs> but here's the thing. I love her because my God gave her to me. Amen. Because we wouldn't even talk if it hadn't been for God. Because we didn't have anything in common besides God. And he put things in our lives. And I like the way she does that. She likes the way I do this. But most of all, I love her dedication to her God. Amen. That's the first part I love about her. And the fact that she keeps me in line. You guys don't realize, being a pastor, you don't, you don't have anybody to go to. When you get upset, stuff like that, you call us. I call her. So you think my job's hard. You should try being married to me. Because she catches the brunt. And yeah, I'm standing up here bragging on my wife, and I will every time you see me, because that's my bride, and I love her, and God gave her to me. So I'm going to treat her like something that God gave to me. But that's how you need to treat your salvation also. Because God bankrupted heaven to give you your salvation. He gave up everything that he loved and cherished and put it up on a piece of wood and let man of human flesh beat his son to death. Where you couldn't even recognize him as a man, put him on a piece of wood and let him die so you would have a chance to live for him. I don't know anybody in here that killed her kid to save my life. But my God did. And for me to go back to my old ways and say that I'm not good enough to do what he's called me to do, because trust me, when he calls you to be a preacher, it's easy to say I'm not worthy to get up there and do that. But I had a preacher tell me one time, you saying you're not worthy to preach is like telling God that him killing his son wasn't good enough to forgive you for everything you've done. And that's the mentality that the world wants you to have. The devil wants you to have the mentality that what happened up there is a chapter in a book and that it doesn't mean anything because you'll never be good enough to impress the person sitting next to you in church. That's 
Because they're always going to know what you did. You see what I'm saying? We worry too much about what the person standing next to us is. Stop worrying about what they think about you and start worrying about what God thinks about you. And when God lets you know what He thinks of you, then you start being the person that the one standing next to you starts to respect and love. And that's when you become family. It has nothing to do with what you wear to church. It has nothing to do with where you go eat after church. It has everything to do with every second of every day when you leave this church. Because it's easy to do church when you're in this church. But it's when you get outside and the church isn't there to remind you, hey, he's watching you. It happens. I'm sure there's people in this church that come to church hollering and screaming at each other all the way up there. Then they get out of their car. God bless you. How y'all doing? Come on, baby. Let's go in there. She's the whole time she's behind me. <laughs> Think it don't happen? It's easy to treat the people around you nice when you're expected to. It's when you get out there and you think none of the other people that are going to judge you are watching that you act like you want to act. But I'm going to tell you this, there is no dark places. Because your God sees in the dark. And if you're actually sitting in what you think is the dark, you're not doing your job because the dark means there's a half of light and you're supposed to be light. So you shouldn't be in the dark at all. Ask my kids, why are you afraid of the dark? You're supposed to be light. Besides that, I'm working with the in the night. <laughs> my daughters will tell you, we never were afraid of the dark when my dad, when we were little. Because my daddy is what went bump in the night. <laughs> I tell my stepson all the time, the only thing in this house, the meanest thing is that you're going to have to worry about tonight while you sleep is already in the house. <laughs> so, don't worry about, <laughs> don't worry about sleeping. <laughs> I may be a pastor, but I'm one of the pastors that waits on somebody break in his house. <laughs> you know, look on my face. <laughs> Remember who you are. You're a child of God. You had the same authority over hell that Christ did. Because he went down and he died and went to hell and stole the keys of death. What's the worst thing in the world that can happen to you? I'm going to run over you with a truck and kill you, right? Nope. Well, if you live for God, that's the best thing that ever happened. Yeah. Your next breath is in heaven, and you're praising that's God right. for eternity. Worst thing would be to live and be suffering all the pain yep. in the hospital. Remember who you are. But better than that, remind each other of who they are. Amen. There you go. And recognize the strength that you have together. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the devil don't want to jack with my family. Because me and that woman right there, together, and God are unstoppable. Amen. You put God in your relationship first. You put God in your household first. You're unstoppable. It says it right there. I can't make it up. Because the last chapter right back here somewhere, it's got the score. Hell, zero. God's people won. 
He got up there and said, it's finished. It's done. He didn't say we're going to have to work on it for 12 steps. Come on. He didn't say we're going to have to go to marriage counseling to fix it. He didn't say we're going to have to do this to fix it or that to fix it. He hung his head. He said, it's finished, and he died for your sins. So believe it. And stop questioning yourself about your sins. You're not a dog. You don't go back to your vomit. You don't give a, you don't sell a car to somebody and then go get in the car and drive away with it. Your sins, when you give them to Christ, don't belong to you anymore. So those demons that are trying to talk to you about them, tell them shut up, go on, but then don't follow them down the road. There's a commercial on TV that says when you say bye to somebody and you hug them and you tell them bye and you both walk the same direction and it's uncomfortable. I forget what commercial it is. Don't make sure when you when you kick your things away from you that you don't walk the same direction they are. Get as far away from them as you can. I'm gonna ask you tonight. The Bible says that we can't be light if we have any darkness in us. Forgiveness is darkness. Unforgiveness is darkness. Excuse me. But I want to ask you tonight to forgive yourselves. Because you can't forgive the one sitting next to you. And you can't forgive the uncle that was mean to you. And you can't forgive your mama or your daddy that wasn't there for you. And you can't forgive your ex-husband or your ex-wife who took you cars and houses and stuff from you. Or cheated on you or lied to you or did whatever. You can't forgive any of those people's wrongs against you until you forgive yourself for the wrongs that you've done to yourself. And it also says you can't get into heaven with unforgiveness in your heart. So you better figure something out. So bow your heads and close your eyes. I know there's people in this room that are fighting with things. I know there's people in this room tonight that are fighting with people. I'm going to ask you to stop and not worry about who's looking at you. Not worry about what the world is thinking. But if you've got something in your heart tonight that keeps you from forgiving somebody or forgiving yourself, I want you to raise your hand for me tonight so we can lift you up in prayer. Because there's got to be a way for you to realize that it's maybe not about you. That maybe you going to that person and forgiving them after you forgiving yourself and showing them what God can do in your life. And I don't want to see anybody have a subject like that. And especially tonight, none of this made any sense if you don't know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior. So if you haven't done that tonight, please put your hand in the air. I know most of you in here, I, I don't know your hearts, but I know most of you. I love every one of you. Father God, I ask you right now, in the name of Jesus, to give us light at the end of the tunnel, Father. To show us the way to forgive ourselves for things we've done, Father. Father, I ask you to be with us as we go through this journey. Father, be with us as we go through this week. 
Help us not to hold grudges, Father, especially against ourselves. Father, I ask for the strength to keep the evil one away this week, Father. To remember how to rebuke him. And to turn to you when we have problems. Make it more about you and less about us, Father. It's all this in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, y'all go home. Because Les ain't here to run y'all off. You can't stay here. Bumming nose. Bumming nose. You can't stay here. <laughs>